The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Source of Truth podcast. And thank you for joining us this morning as we take a few minutes out of our day to look into God's Word. And we're so glad you're with us this morning. If you're following along on your Bible or tablet or phone or something, I'm going to be reading from the book of Psalm chapter 110 this morning as we continue our, our journey through the book of Psalms. And hope you'll join us uh, for a few minutes. Thank you for joining us for a few minutes this morning. Uh, this morning's a very... Um, Exciting passage as it looks ahead to the future, looks ahead to what we, uh, what the world has to look forward to, specifically we as Christians. This, this is obviously anything, this, this passage is what we call messianic. It's a messianic prophecy referencing future things happening about the Messiah, referencing prophecy about the Messiah. Um, we know they were still looking forward to the Messiah in much of the Old Testament. Some of it they would come true as the Messiah would come. The beginning of the New Testament in the form of a baby born of a virgin would ultimately go to the cross. Not necessarily what they thought at the time, but would go to the cross and then would die. And then there's this gap of time, which is now called the church age, what we live in now, where the Jewish people are still looking forward to many of their pro- promises being and prophecies being fulfilled. This chapter is actually referencing that. It's referencing what what is yet still to come. We know the Messiah is Jesus. We know that he has gone to heaven and ascended to heaven, and it one day will come back. He will come back to take on Satan's army, what many call the Battle of Armageddon. And we know that one day, and after that, when he is done, he will rule and reign for a thousand years, what's known as the millennial reign. So this is really what's referencing here. Now, there's an awful lot in here that we could take time on. And so let's just go ahead and dive in and begin to look through this chapter. It's only seven verses, but there's just a good amount in here. Chapters, chapter 110, verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now, this verse starts off. This is where some of the confusion can come in when people say, is it really referencing Jesus? How does the author say, my Lord? Now, here's referencing. You have to remember that it says right above, most of our Bibles will say Psalm 110, and it says the Psalm of David. It entitles it, letting us know that it was King David who wrote this. So you go back to the idea he wrote it, but he's writing it from an aspect of prophecy. He's writing it for, uh, in, in a messianic looking forward to the future. So here's the other way. Here's really what's being said here. He talks to Lord Jehovah. Anytime you see the word Lord in all caps in the Old Testament, it's referencing God Jehovah. So it says, the Lord Jehovah said unto my Lord, he's talking about Jesus, the future Messiah, unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So God, David's referencing that God is speaking to Jesus. And we know that they're one God, but they work in three parts. And, and many times God references them communicating separately for us to understand. But we know that they were separate to an extent because Jesus came to the earth. He came to the earth and took on the form of a human, according to Philippians chapter 2. So God, Jehovah, is saying to Jesus, Messiah, sit at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. So we know that when Jesus finished, and, and he finished his, his earthly ministry, and he was 40 days from, from the time he was risen to the time he ascended to heaven, and he gives this great commission, which we're supposed to be fulfilling right now in this age of grace, this age, this church age. While he's waiting for his father to tell him to come back and bring his bride, his church back, until that happens, um, he uh, he is waiting. He's sitting on the right hand of God. Now, why is that important? Because you have Jesus sitting on the right hand. It's a place of authority. 
And so Jesus, when he died on the cross and he took the blood and placed at the mercy seat, he now sits on the right hand of God. It reminds us all of the great kingly authority of Jesus and the fact that he ha- has the right in all of these things to, to one day rule and reign. And so he sits right now on the right hand of God, which is where he's at right now in our present time. And then he says unto him, stay here until I make thy enemy thy footstool. He goes, there'll become a time when your enemy, Satan, your enemy, Satan, and his army will one day be someone that you will rule and reign over, you will deal with. You will actually, we know in prophecy that he will come back, Jesus will come back on a great white horse. And as he comes back, he'll come back with, with the church and he will come back and he will destroy the enemy. And he will destroy the enemy with his words. He won't physically do anything. He's going to speak and his enemy will be destroyed with the power of his words. So there's a lot, again, there's a lot in that first verse as it references who this guy is. And we probably will take a couple days through this chapter because I really want us to get an understanding of what's being said. I think not only is it good to know the chapter, but there there are some important things that we hold on to for long term. Let's go to verse 2. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. So he says, the Lord shall send thy rod. And we talk about when Jesus comes, the Bible says he will rule with a rod of iron. Simply, um, he knows everything. And so in the millennial kingdom, many believe that when crimes are committed, they will be dealt with quickly, dealt with immediately. Unfortunately, uh, just, you know, there's not going to be an age of absolute perfection. Please remember, those who live through the tribulation will then come in the millennial kingdom and they will have children, they will grow, and there's thousands of years and generations of people who will be born. Uh, we in the church will go back, we'll be ruling in the, in the, in the millennial time, but we'll, we'll be different. We'll be glorified bodies, so it'll be very different in that scenario where we're going to be in. So there's going to be ruling, there's going to be people who will have to submit. He will rule strictly, be very different than it is today. Verse number Number three, thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power and the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning thou hast to do of thy youth. Now, he says what he's talking about, thy people. The people are going to be more than the people who live in those days are going to be more than willing to fall into submission to what God has for, for, for his authority. So, you know, when he came down as the Messiah, um, we knew this, you know, he came down, he, he was born in a stable. He didn't have any place really. He wasn't born of, of a great pedigree, although he was, he wasn't per se. I mean, he had a great lineage, but you look at his lineage. Some of it were, you know, criminals. Some of them were prostitutes and there was David, a lot of different people. Basically, you're going to find he, he didn't come through this royal priesthood that some would say and that they looked at him and said, oh, he must be. No, and from the human standpoint, he, he really came lowly to the earth. And then he lived as a shepherd's, excuse me, as a carpenter's son. He became a carpenter. And then he really loved and ministered to the lowly of the people. He was never placed up in this great position of authority as king. So we know that was his first time when he was on this earth and he ministered for three years before he ultimately was placed upon the cross. He didn't come the first time to rule and reign. He didn't come to throw off government. He came to deal with what was actually the great need, and that need was our sin. And sin needed to be dealt with. He came to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. All of the Old Testament um, sacrifices to animals were ultimately long-term. They were all looking forward to the fact when what the Bible calls the Lamb of God, Jesus, would be placed upon the cross, like the Old Testament picture would be. He would fulfill that. Actually, he would end it. 
the old priests, these prophets, these sacrifices would no longer be necessary because they were all looking forward to the day when the Messiah would go to the cross. And frankly, even though the people of the day didn't want to believe that, that was Old Testament prophecy. They, they should have known that. I mean, just Isaiah 53 alone states that. So they, they move forward. He wasn't going to rule and reign, even though they thought he would at that time. He was simply to come and then die on the cross and then raise it again three days later. All of that was for us to pay the punishment for our sins, sacrificial punishment and substitutionary punishment. He was in our place. We deserve, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. We deserve that punishment. And Jesus took it upon himself. Then he ascends to heaven. That's, and he will come back as a conquering king. He will come back and he will rule and reign for a thousand years. There's a second section to this chapter that deals with him in his priestly role in the order of Melchizedek. Now, obviously, I'm not going to deal with that today. I think there's so much we'd want to deal with. And so this chapter breaks up into two sections, him coming down in the kingly role, secondly, in the priestly. Frankly, it's intriguing because Melchizedek is a priest, but a little more than that. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, Why is this so important? You know, we put our faith in Jesus because we believe that Jesus is the answer for salvation. He says in John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes in the Father but by me, of course, referencing himself. So we know that Jesus is God. Jesus is, is powerful. He is king. He is one with God. Uh, he says, I and my Father are one. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The Word God is plural, referencing God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are all one understanding what's going to happen, understanding who Jesus really is, more than just a religious being. He's, a, he's a, ultimately going to be the king and the, and the great high priest. These are important because these are the foundational, least knowledgeable things. We know we put our faith in Jesus, but to know one day that he is really God, he is king, and he will one day rule and reign in his kingdom. These are the things that we hold on to. These are the things that ultimately bring fulfillment to the promises and prophecies that were given to Israel. And we hold on to these things as great promises even for us as we look forward to how Jesus will throw off all of the evil of our world. And we look forward to that. Until that day, we stay in God's word and we keep our eyes focused upon Jesus. I hope you'll do that today. Hope these truths were a help and an encouragement and I hope it gives you confidence in a God that has promised to never leave you or forsake you. Thanks for joining us again today. We appreciate your time. We hope you join us again tomorrow. God bless.